This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Do you ever see a successful woman on your feed or in a magazine and think, wow, it must be nice to have it so easy? Well, think again. Behind that glossy cover or smiling face is a ton of hard work, countless failures, and endless learning experiences. I'm Rebecca Minkoff, and I'm here to tell you that success isn't a walk in the park. It takes grit, resilience, and a willingness to take risks. That's why I created Superwoman, a podcast that peels back the varnish and gets into the nitty gritty of what it takes to make it as a woman in today's world. From luminaries and game changers to women you've never heard of but should, this podcast is here to inspire you to take your next leap, no matter how daunting it may seem. We'll explore the sacrifices these women have made, the highs and lows they've experienced, and the lessons they've learned along the way. So if you're ready to be inspired and learn from some of the most successful women out there, join me on Superwomen. Together, we'll uncover the stories behind the successes and prove that with hard work, determination, and a little bit of luck, anything is possible. Hey everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Monique Rodriguez, the CEO of Myel Organics. She has launched an incredible company from her kitchen, and she became the first black woman to raise a non-controlling nine-figure investment, basically everyone, over $100 million, the largest exit ever for a black female beauty founder. We talk about her faith and how that led her as her North Star and how she established Myel Cares, the nonprofit arm of her company, with a $10 million donation that was matched by P&G. She's incredibly inspiring, and I can't wait for you to listen to this episode. Take a listen. Monique, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So when I was diving into your story, it's not often that you hear about someone being in the nursing arena, then switching to hair care and beauty, and then having the exit that you've just had. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Yeah. So I'd love for you to tell me a little bit, you know, what got you interested first in nursing, then how did you sort of make the, what was your aha moment to switch gears and how did that start? Yeah, no, great question, um, because it is very rare to um, start in a field such as nursing and then pivot all the way into the business world because it was very foreign to me. Um, I became a nurse in, um, when I was like 22 years old. And when I grew up, that was what was instilled in me growing up as a kid. My mom was very traditional and she taught me what she knew. And that was go to school, go to college and find a decent, stable job. And work that job until it's time for you to retire. And then you can collect your pension and enjoy life. And every time she would instill that in me, I knew that it was something that didn't sit well with me because I'm like, 
you know, you can't wait until you're like 60. Like you need to enjoy life now as you're living and breathing um, each and every day. And a part of enjoying life is doing something that's very fulfilling for you. Um, so, but when I was young, I didn't know that there was another route to success other than what my mom instilled in me. And so I did what she told me and I became a nurse and I started in labor and delivery because I knew that I wanted to work with women and I wanted to work in what you may say is kind of like a happier place in the nursing field, but not necessarily um, because I worked at a high risk hospital. So I did that for five years and then I pivoted and I went to home health. And so I was working with patients in their homes by myself, giving them care, um, providing medications, et cetera. And I knew that when I first graduated from nursing, when I stepped on the nursing floor, I knew that I didn't want to do this for the rest of my life because I wasn't fulfilled because my dreams and my passion ever since I was young was to always be in the beauty space. And the only way that I thought I can get into the beauty space was by becoming a model because that's what I saw growing up. I saw women that were on billboards, on um, campaign, on you know relaxer kit boxes. So that's what I thought was the route to get into the beauty space. So I would always ask my mom to take me to these different model calls and I would audition to be like a hair model, but I never got selected. And she would say, confirm her thought of like, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity. This is not something that is sustainable. You need to go to school and have something that's more stable. So I kind of put my dreams to the wayside and I kind of pursued my mom's dreams because she wanted to be a nurse. And I realized, you know, that this is not something that I wanted to do. And it took for something tragic to happen to me to catapult me into really understanding my life's purpose and, you know, walking and who God has called me to be. So in 2013, I went through a tragic loss with the loss of my son when I was eight months pregnant. I had a high-risk pregnancy. And unfortunately, because of the high risk, I had a uterine rupture and my son passed away. He was my third child. And of course, as you can imagine, like it was devastating for my husband and I, for our entire family. And the only thing that allowed me to overcome that was leaning in on my faith in God and, you know, just truly trying to understand and wrap my head around, like, why did I go through something like that? And I had to stop questioning and asking why me and asking God, what are you trying to show me? What are you trying to teach me from this? And number one, I knew it was to develop and deepen my relationship spiritually with God. And once I did that, God revealed to me my purpose. And it took me right back to that passion that I loved as a kid. And that was the beauty space and hair care. And so I looked at social media, Instagram was fairly new. And I looked at Instagram as a way to creatively like express myself, to use that as a distraction to get my mind off of what I was going through with my son. And me using social media allowed me to um, heal myself. It was a healing process. We were going to church, we were growing spiritually. And that allowed me to really open my mindset and say, you know what, I have to live life for me because it was a very high risk pregnancy and my life was also at risk. And you only get one shot at life and you have to do something that truly makes you happy. And so I decided to step out on faith. I started creating concoctions and mixtures of just different hair products. I would make like conditioners from different ingredients in my kitchen. And my light bulb moment was when women started asking to purchase my little mixtures that I was making in my kitchen, those homemade mixtures. And that was my aha moment where I said, I'm going to take this serious. I think that I'm onto something. 
I'm going to do my homework, do my due diligence and find a chemist that can help me bring this idea to life. And that is the beginning of how my was created. Wow. So uh, how did you even know what to put together, you know, for your hair and what concoctions were working? Were you just blindly experimenting or did you feel like you had had some knowledge of what what to put together? Yeah. So it was a lot of trial and error. And, you know, I always tell people, like, don't despise small beginnings and you don't don't discredit any part of your journey. And even though I'm no longer working in the nursing field, my science background has allowed me the opportunity and the education to know the chemistry component behind formulations. And it also allowed me the ability to research because if any nurses are listening, nursing, you do a lot of research and it allowed me to really dive deep into understanding like the uh, science of hair how the hair grows, you know, really breaking down and understanding like the follicle and the human anatomy of the body and how the body works. So that gave me like a platform to like stand on and really be able to um, come up with like different ingredients and understanding how does this ingredient affect the body? How does this ingredient affect the hair follicle? And how does it actually work to mature the follicle so the hair can actually grow? So that was like my base of my foundation. And in addition to that, it was trial and error. So I would research and find different ingredients such as um, almond oil, peppermint oil, because peppermint oil is a stimulant to the hair follicles and it increases circulation to the scalp. And so those were some of like the basic ingredients that I would use in my um, homemade concoctions. I would use honey, honey as a humectant because honey was very moisturizing to the hair. And then after doing a lot of that research and I would experiment and try it on my own hair and after messing up and doing a lot of things that, you know, uh, my hair turned out like one, one example is I put egg in a ingredient, I mean, a concoction and I got in the shower and the egg cooked in my hair. <laughs> and then I realized after doing more research and actually talking with the chemist, food molecules don't penetrate the hair shaft. You really have to use the, the, the chemistry component and extract the nutrient nutrients from different ingredients. And when you think of like egg as a protein, that's not the actual protein that our hair needs. Our hair needs amino acids. So just understanding that, but I had to go through the challenge, the trial and error. you know, the trial and error to learn that. So, um, you know, partnering with the chemist helped me understand it more, but I was smart enough to know that I'm not a chemist, but I know how to hire people that are smarter than me in areas that I'm not to make this work. Yeah. So you mentioned you were, you were in your nursing career, you went through what is a tragic loss, which, um, as a mother, I fully empathize with what you went through. You clung to your faith as you sort of pivoted into what your passion was. Do you feel that your connection to your faith and the ability to sort of say, I have to follow my dreams, life is short, made that pivot less scary? Or was it still scary to sort of say, I'm going out on my own, I'm going to try stuff in my kitchen and cross my fingers, see what happens? Like, talk to me through like, how you had even the bravery to do that. Yeah, I think when I look back in hindsight, was I scared? Was I doubtful? I believe, of course, I was. But I also think that the mindset that I was in at that moment in my life, it was like, if, you know, the, the thinking that I had was like, okay, I've already been through something very traumatic. Like, 
if this fails, what's the worst? Like, I just go back to nursing. I just like my mind wasn't even thinking about failure. It was more so thinking about like, this is helping me. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I didn't even look at it as like, you know, I'm afraid or, you know, I, I have to uh, really show my bravery. It was like, listen, I'm going through what I'm going through. I don't want to be depressed. I have to be whole for my two daughters. And if this is what's helping me, then this is what I'm going to focus on. Yep. So when did you see your first bite of success and how long was it between starting it in your home, then getting a chemist and, and sort of then other women were like, all right, we love this product. Yeah. So I would say my first bite of success was the day that we launched, which was May 23rd, 2014. And, you know, I, I didn't go into it with like any expectations. Like, of course, you know, I knew I wanted it to be successful, like anybody that starts a new business, but I was just kind of like, okay, let's just see what happens. And the day that we launched, I had about maybe a hundred bottles worth of inventory. And I knew that that inventory, or at least I thought that the inventory was going to last me for a good couple of months, maybe six months or so, because I knew that you know, I didn't have a large following, you know, I had no credibility, nobody really knew who I was. And so I'm like, I'm just going to slow my roll. And, you know, I, I bought enough inventory to last me to see how like the sales go. And the day that we launched, we sold out of every bottle. Wow. The day that we launched. And it was kind of chaotic because now I'm like, okay, now what do I do? I don't have enough inventory to supply the next day orders and the next day orders because Sometimes when you start a e-commerce platform or a business on e-commerce, you may have like ebbs and flows and, you know, one day you may have lots of sales and then the next day you may have no sales and the next day you may have one sale. But every single day from the day that we launched, we had a sale like and every day was growth. So it wasn't like an up and down. It was just kind of like a up and vertical. It was an upward trajectory. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how I knew that day that, you know, we were on to something. Um, so I've ha- I have like little moments of like, aha, successful moments. You know, the day that we launched in Sally, which was a year and a half later after we launched a brand, which by the way, does not happen to a new startup brand to launch into retail. But because the brand has such great momentum and was on a great trajectory, the retailers were wanting a piece of that. The day that we launched in Sally, they started us in 95 stores because we're a small brand. And they're like, we just want to see how you guys do. Um, And we posted it on social media that we were only in 95 stores. Now, Sally Beauty has about 3,000 stores chain-wide. Our customers at that time went to every single Sally store asking for Myel products to where the 95 stores that had our products sold out in like two hours. Wow. And that was where it got up to the Sally CEO of corporate. And she called our broker and she's like, whatever Myel is doing on social media, please tell them to stop because it is causing chaos in our stores. Every store has sold out. The, the customers are harassing the store managers. No way. Oh my God. Yeah, seriously. And that was my other aha moment. Like, okay, yeah, this is, this is, this is real. <laughs> what do you attribute it to? Because there are brands, CPG brands that launch all the time and mm-hmm. some flop, some have like a hit and then, and then it goes down. Like, what do you think your secret sauce was in those early days? Yeah. My secret sauce, obviously, you know, as I mentioned earlier, is my faith, you know, believing that 
I can achieve and that my brand was going to be successful. And then the second thing I would say is focusing on community building. Like even to this day, we start with the consumer and we end with the consumer. Everything that we do is evolved around the consumer. We are consumer obsessed with our brand. And before I even had a product, I really focused on how do I engage and how do I connect with the community that I'm serving. And our model is to overserve the underserved. In the natural textured hair care space, this consumer, her needs are not totally met. She feels like she's underserved. She feels like she's underrepresented in this space. She feels that no one is speaking to her. They're speaking at her, but no one's making her feel like she's inclusive of the conversation and really understanding her hair challenges. And that was a void that I was able to fill. I was a very relatable person. I was a, a, a brand CEO that connected with my consumers and showed my hair and showed my struggles and also showed the transition from having severely heat damaged hair to the turnaround of restoring my natural curls. And I educated the consumer on how to take care of her hair. And I was providing her with valuable information that was impactful to her life and her hair journey. And I focused on that before I introduced the product to her. And so I, I tell entrepreneurs all the time, you have to focus on building that connection and community because when you have a community, you can then sell them whatever it is that you want to sell them because people want to do business with who they know, who they like, and who they trust. And a part of building that trust is to focus on what are their needs and creating a solution to their problem. I mean, it's beyond impressive. And I think, you know, when, when you look back, you self-funded basically from 2014 to 2021. Correct. Yes. No, 2020. I'm sorry. 2020. 2020. Okay. Um, so in those six years of self-funding, you know, I, again, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and they're always like, I got to raise money. I can't do it on my own. Raise money. I'm always like, please don't do it. Please mm -hmm. don't raise money. Like, wait till you have product market fit. Wait till you have success. So two questions. What gave you the strength and courage to do it on your own for that time? And how did you afford that? is my second question. Like, how did you, how did you maintain the growth before you took in a hundred million dollars, which is incredible? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So talk me through that. Yes. Yeah, so, you know, I, as I look back, I wouldn't say it was necessarily by choice that, you know, we were um, able to bootstrap the company all the way up until 2020. The problem is there wasn't a lot of opportunity to receive funding. You know, I was a new brand. No one believed in us, right? No one was willing Even to with all the success you're having, no one believed in you. No, no, no one, because we were a very new brand. Even when we went to the bank for a line of credit, we didn't receive a line of credit until about 2018. And that was a challenge. We had to fight to receive that line of credit because the banks didn't want to take that risk as a new brand. And I understand why, as I look back, because we've made a lot of mistakes with that line of credit. But, you know, it's very hard to raise funds. And when we were going through that situation, um, the moment in time where we were using a line of credit incorrectly and we were not really understanding and paying attention to the financials, um, it caught up to us and we became unprofitable. Hmm. And I always knew um, 
I always remember what our CFO said to us at the time. He said, the best time to raise money is when you don't need the money because you can have a lot of leverage and then you can go to the table and negotiate terms on your, your, your terms. And that always stuck with me. And so I would say us not raising funds was not by choice because I probably would have raised funds, but I will look back and say that I'm glad that we didn't have that opportunity because sometimes when you raise funds, you're not necessarily a good steward of the funds because you're spending money that's not yours. And on the flip side, I can say we became very resourceful because we didn't have money. It allowed us to be more scrappy. It allowed us to get out there and grind and figure out ways to um, continue to push the brand forward. And because we were all on e-commerce, our profit margins were pretty high at that time. So that profit allowed us to sustain where we were able to bootstrap and, you know, reinvest that money into marketing. The problem was when we got into retail, that's when our profit margins started to shrink because obviously, you know, the retailers, they take a cut. And so that's when we got into trouble because we were spending, 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 and we had the wrong people that were managing our books at that time. So that's why having the right people is very important. And they were booking trade spend and our marketing together when trade spending is something that is separate for the retailers. And because it was booked together, we thought that we had more money to spend on marketing than we did. And that's where the issue happened because of the wrong people managing our books. And that's when we decided to go for our first raise which was uh, a seed round with New Voices who um, invested in us at a very minority stake. And that allowed us to climb out of that hole and really get to a state of profitability that allowed us to then go for our Series A, which was with Berkshire Partners. Um, And we raised that over $100 million, a Series A round, because now we were in a very profitable state. We didn't need the money. And I went back to what my CFO said years ago when we were in that challenging period, raise money when you don't need it. And so I told my husband, I said, I think it's time to raise because this is the trajectory of where I want to take the brand. And now is the time. And we were able to negotiate and dictate the terms and which is why we were able to raise nine figures and still maintain majority ownership. Wow. That's incredible. So would you say that once you... This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Did that raise, again, I feel like I have so many questions. I want to, I don't want to forget them. But once you did that raise, what were some of the fundamental shifts within the company that you had to now, you, you have other people's money. It's in the business. Um, I'm curious if you changed anything about how you ran things or who you hired or what struggles you didn't anticipate running into now, but then you do, because it's not like money comes and all your problems go away. Right. (laughs) Yeah, um, absolutely. That's a great question. So one of the shifts that we made immediately when we took on Berkshire's money, their capital was we had to build a board. We didn't have a board, you know, as we were running and operating the company for, you know, the entire six years until we raised. And so as a part of that board, Berkshire Partners was half of the board. Right. And so that was um, something that was new for us. I won't say that it was challenging because, you know, I have to admit that they were really great partners and they were very helpful with helping us scale and helping us you know, eventually get to the stage where we wanted to be acquired. And they came on board and put together like a three-year projection plan, a strategic plan of where we wanted to see the brand grow in the next three years. And, you know, we kind of backed into that plan. So we backed into it by, you know, bringing on the right people, um, the right uh, C-suites. We had brought on a new CFO. We had brought on, um, you know, a VP of operations, we hired a CMO. So some of the key hires that we didn't have that we needed in order to help take us to a different level, um, they were very instrumental in helping us bring in the right key people. Um, So that was one of the things that was extremely helpful. They were also helpful with, you know, helping us set infrastructure. You know, we were kind of just growing, 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 and the company was growing faster than the infrastructure can support. So they brought in their expertise of helping to build the right infrastructure, which was really important for us to bring in that VP of operations and um, our CFO, uh, because, you know, that's basically the, the back end foundation of the business. You know, we can be growing on the marketing side, but if, you know, you lift up the hood and the infrastructure is not there, then you really don't have a brand. So they were very helpful in, you know, helping us just build and, and actually scaled and really um, building out our distribution strategy as well was something that was very key for us and expanding abroad internationally. Um, that was also something that they were very key with helping us map out like what does that strategic plan look like over the next three years of helping us enter and tap into other key markets globally. Um, and, you know, even though we had that three year strategic plan, the partnership was really great and they were able to exit in 18 months. So from the time that you know they came on board they helped us get a little get some things in order and then they were able to exit 18 months later so we thought that we were going to be with them for a while um and you know because the company was just doing extremely well we had a very early exit because of that so i'm curious if you look back right you start making it in your 
kitchen, you cook egg in your hair, literally in the shower, (laughs) (laughs) to now having, you were acquired by Procter & Gamble, and it was the largest exit ever for a Black female beauty founder. Mm -hmm. Just talk me through like the mental shift you've had to go through of those two things, because it's, it's rare and it's incredible and it's exceptional, but I'm curious how you've shifted um, personally and professionally. Yeah, no, that's a really great question because I always say like the foundation of success is your mindset. So as I mentioned, even before we took on um, capital from New Voices Berkshire, I knew the path of where I wanted to go. I knew that I wanted the brand to be acquired by a big conglomerate such as PNG. I'm very big on affirmations. I'm very big on writing in my journal and writing the things down that I want to see happen for me personally and professionally. And so my goal was to have the brand acquired before my daughter graduated from high school. She's a senior because I really wanted to focus on you know, now I have college coming up and my youngest daughter is going into high school and we built this brand. Basically, they've grown up with this brand and I wanted to be able to show them this and to show them where they're very young and impressionable. And, you know, for me personally, it, it has shifted the way that they think. And that for me is something that's so rewarding and so satisfying, so fulfilling, because I see the impression that it's making on my two kids. Um, and so personally, I, I feel that I was ready for this and I knew it and I believed it and I wrote it down. I spoke this. So I was just waiting for the opportunity and waiting for it to happen because, you know, I'll tell you this before we went into the process, you know, we met with a few, um, you know, strategic partners. And of course we met with PNG and this was before we even started the process. And I knew from the very moment that I met with, you know, the M&A guy from PNG that PNG was going to be our partner. So I went home and I wrote down in my journal before any of this started. And I said, Mayo will be acquired by PNG. And then we entered into this process. Now I didn't know that PNG was even going to be in the running. I had no idea, but because I feel like I manifested this. Like I feel that, you know, I prayed on this, you know, I put it out before God and he has blessed this brand to do something that was so historic. So I would say that I expected this because I know that I pray bold prayers and I know that God hears and he answered them. And so personally, it's just a confirmation of, you know, this is, exactly what I'm called to do. And I'm operating in my purpose and God's plan for my life. And he will continue to open up those doors, you know, as long as I trust the process, because you can't have the promise without going through the process. Yeah. I love it. And are you still there? Yes. And so of course, you know, again, because we had a lot of leverage, we were able to negotiate terms on our behalf and what we wanted for the brand and the continuation of the legacy for the brand. And that was for Melvin and I to remain as CEO, COO, my husband's COO of the company. And we will continue to still push the vision and the brand forward. I'm still over product development, innovation, all creative marketing. My husband still runs operations, finance, logistics. We are literally still running and operating as if nothing has changed. And we like it that way. How do you shift mentally with that? Because I feel like 
in all my fantasies of a big exit, I was like, and then I'm going to do this and I'm going to like work a little <laughs> less and like all these things. And, you know, how did you, how did you have the big exit and then just go, okay, good. I'm going to pretend like this didn't happen. <laughs> so I think that like, you know, with a higher level of success, you know, it comes a bigger responsibility. So my husband and I say this all the time, like we feel like the real work is just now starting. Wow. Because yeah. especially in the black community, when exits like this happen, it's not necessarily normal, which is why, you know, in the black community, we can tend to criticize brands that grow, build, and at some point exit because it's not normalized. And so our goal, number one, is to help change that narrative and to let our community know that this is a normal trajectory of businesses. You should build your brand with an exit strategy in mind um, because the only way that you can curate generational wealth and wealth for your community is by exiting a business. It is very hard to build wealth while actually building a business because you have you know, your overhead, you have, you know, everything that you have to run to operate the business, your cost of goods, you know, your personnel. So you're always spending, right, as you are selling product. And so the only way to really do that is to exit a brand or exit your company. And with that exit, it has allowed us to do more for our community. We started our nonprofit, Myel Cares, which focuses on creating a resilient mindset for tweens and teens, the youth. And we started with our old stomping grounds where Melvin and I went to high school with. We wanted to start with young kids because they are the future and they're the ones that's gonna be taking over and running our country. And so we have to make sure that we're doing our part of pouring into them and making sure that they're mentally sound before we can set them up for success. So I'm really um, passionate about like helping our teens and their mental, um, mental abilities. So that's something that, now that I've been able to exit, I can have the capacity to focus on how do I help my community? How do I help bring up the next generation? So that's one thing. And, you know, now that we had the exit, it has allowed us to focus on, you know, our, our family more, our kids. Like I said, my daughter's getting ready to go to college. My youngest daughter's going to high school. Now that we have more people in place, it has allowed me to have more capacity to focus on other things that, you know, I couldn't necessarily focus on because I was so busy, like in it running building. the company. Yeah. yeah. You're building. And so it takes a lot of like energy and time to actually do that. So now that we have the right people in place, you know, it has allowed us more freedom and flexibility and where now our team can come to us and give us digestible pieces of information that we can make decisions versus us being in the intricate details of the day to day. Now you can give us an overview and you, now we have the capacity and the mindset to make, quick decisions when it comes to the brand. So I'm curious, I have a couple more questions and then I'll let you go. Um, you mentioned you work with your husband. Has that been a blessing and a curse? <laughs> <laughs> I worked with my brother for the longest time. And so, you know, it's always in the challenging times, it's challenging, good and bad. So I'm just curious, how have you guys made that work? Yeah, so, I mean, we get that question all the time. So working with my husband, I would say is definitely a blessing. Is it easy? No. Do we always agree? No. Do we have arguments? Yes. But at the same time, you know, what keeps us going is keeping God first and understanding the ultimate purpose and the vision. And that is continuing on the legacy. So our kids and their kids and their kids 
can know and understand what Mayel is, the legacy of Mayel, and knowing that their great great grandmother created something that was amazing and not just focus on beauty, but she focused on truly being impactful to the community that she serves. And so when we know like our bigger purpose and we know that like sometimes when we get into arguments, it's not about us. You have to take the ego out of it, take the self selfishness out of it and focus on what is the ultimate purpose. And, you know, maybe after a day or so of no talking to each other, we, we come back to each other and we realize like what we were arguing over or what we said to each other was not even worth it or it was so minute compared to our bigger purpose overall. I love that. So 2024, 10 year anniversary. Yeah. What can you share? What are you planning? What's what's next? So our 10 year anniversary, what I can share is that it's going to be enormous. I won't even just say big. It's going to be enormous. Like we have a lot of different activities and activations that we are truly going to wow, surprise and delight our Mavens and Mavericks with exciting things that we have coming up for our 10 year. And of course, you know, we will never not do a 10 year without some amazing new products. So just stay tuned for the amazing goodness. I can't share exactly what those products are because it's always a surprise, but I will say that our Mavens and our Mavericks will definitely enjoy what we're cooking up. Well, you've kept it mysterious. So I'm sure your <laughs> community will be sitting there with bated breath. Um, I would love my last question for you. Well, two last questions. What is a piece of advice you'd love to leave my listeners with either that you learned the hard way or someone gave to you that was actually helpful? And then the second one is what would we be surprised to know about you? Um, so a piece of advice that I would share with your listeners is number one, focus on purpose. You know, never be driven by money, profit. We always say purpose over profit. What you're doing is bigger than yourself. Focus on how can you solve a problem for the community that you're serving and always focus on being solution-based and being impactful to the lives and how can you add value. You know, if you can add value, if you can be impactful, that is something that's going to be long-lasting and memorable because I always say people will never forget you know, how you made them feel. And if you can make people feel like you really care about them and you're purposeful in what you're doing, that's going to go a long way than if you just focus on, am I profitable this month? Yes, you want to be profitable as a company, but you really have to have a bigger purpose. Um, and then what would somebody be surprised to know about me? What would we be surprised to know about you? A fun fact, a hobby, a quirk, a bad habit? <laughs> I would say a bad habit that I have, or I would say a guilty pleasure is I love watching um, reality TV, which I probably shouldn't. <laughs> when I have which, to talk, which show? <laughs> Real Housewives. Oh, got it. Probably all of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's like my guilty pleasure. And then I would say another like thing that people will be surprised to know. And I think, you know, to say this because everyone's like, you're not an introvert, that I'm truly an introverted person by heart. And people are like, how are you an introvert? You're always talking to people. You're always out here in the public. Yeah. You're always on TV. But it's really because I force myself to do it and I force myself to get out of my comfort zone. Because if I don't talk about my brand, who else is going to talk about it? So right. I have to force myself to do something that's bigger than myself. But naturally, I draw energy from just being by myself and my own thoughts and really just thinking. And that's where, I, where I'm the most creative. I love it. 
Your story is so incredibly inspiring. Thank you for sharing it with me. And where can everyone buy and go harass stores for your product? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So if you want to go harass any stores, it's any major retail, Sally's Target, CVS, Walmart, um, HEB depends on your location, but literally everywhere that you shop, you will be able to find Myel products. And of course, on myelorganics.com, our website is our destination as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Monique. Thank you. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithm. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.